Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Today, we're going to talk about stories of resilience and specifically stories that have happened during the Holocaust. My guest is Dr. Judy Stone, and her new book is called Resilience, One Family's Story of Hope and Triumph Over Evil. Growing up, Judy Stone heard little about the Holocaust. Her parents, aunts, and uncles tried to protect their children from the horrors that had endured. But as an adult, she was stunned when her mother, Magdus, began to share stories with her two grandchildren about how she'd suffered and survived before, during, and after the Holocaust. And just before her death, in 2008, well into her 90s, Magdus asked her daughter, Judy, to ensure that her family's remarkable story was preserved and passed on. And that's what this is, the book Resilience, One Family's Story of Hope and Triumph Over Evil. Welcome, Dr. Judy Stone. Thank you so much for having me, Patricia. Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you on. Okay, well, we know why you wrote the book, so I don't have to ask you that question. But, you know, I guess what I want to ask you is you grew up in the shadows of the Holocaust and the effects it had on your family. How did the Holocaust shape you as a daughter and a mother, as a Jew, and through your career as a physician and an author? Right. Well, it... uh has had a profound impact on all of that. You know, it it, uh, varies from making me somewhat more overprotective about my my children and Mm. fear about uh, the Holocaust happening again. You know, Mm -hmm. as as, uh, you probably read, I uh, was afraid to have my son have a circumcision, um, Mm. although that's, that's very traditional because I wanted him to be able to hide that he was Jewish if that ever became necessary. You know, at the same time, I was proud of being Jewish and, and raised my children uh, with that same pride and uh, observing the holidays. So it was a very mixed, yes. uh, mixed bag that way. I'm sure that that also led me professionally into doing the indigent care that I do and uh, work, settling down to work in an underserved area. Mm-hmm. because I wanted everybody to have access to care. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting when you talk about the mixed, you know, it's, it's um, it, 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 um, there's almost a love-hate piece. You know, you, you, you are proud of your heritage and your religion, and yet this leaves a scar on us. So it's, it absolutely uh, does. Yeah, yeah. And it's transgenerational. That's, that's the other thing. I'm, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, I've, I know I've passed that on to my children, and I imagine my cousins have too. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, yes, yeah, go ahead. No, just yeah. that, you know, I, I worried about the impact of my doing this book and my speaking out publicly for the first time. You know, I never really hid that I was Jewish, but I didn't advertise it either. And um, so now it's more threatening to do so, and I, I worry about putting them at risk. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the transgenerational, and I was telling you this before the break, I am Jewish, and I didn't have family in the Holocaust, but the Holocaust has left me with such an impact and such an effect that it almost feels as though I was there. And um, so I think it does, I think it part of it's in the genes, 
and, uh, you know, the whole thing about abandonment and then losing your land and losing who you are, because it is, you know, I'm sure you'll talk about later, it's not just the Holocaust, that was horrific enough, but now it's over and you're free, and where do you go? Who do you have? You're totally alone. I mean, you may have family, but you've lost your homeland. So it's it's really, um, it's a hard one. Yeah. Any comments about that? No, just that it is transgenerational, and I'm glad you recognize the the concerns uh, about loss and abandonment, and just always looking over your shoulder. I think is is mm-hmm. you know waiting for the other shoe to drop. I also think too. There's a part of that that if uh, if and I and I know I'm not alone. If we feel that we're threatened or we might lose something, there's that you know almost that terror of you know what if I'm alone and I and I'm on the street, and you know one day I said to myself, that's ridiculous. You know what is that coming from? And I think as you said, I think it it does come through the genes. So let me ask you this: We are now more than seventy years removed from the Holocaust. Why is it vital, in your opinion, that Americans continue to be educated about the Holocaust? Oh, it's, it's critical. It, it is happening uh, again. And I think that's something that I stress in, in my talks. The, and that's part of why I wrote the book, is the divisiveness that started, or that became so much more apparent in 2016, is, mm-hmm. is terrifying. We have othering, uh, calling people... Uh, illegals and pests and disease-ridden, mm-hmm. uh, just like just like happened in the 1930s, mm-hmm. and uh, telling people to go back from where you came. So there, there are such, um, you know, in, in in the 1930s, Jews and Romas and Blacks were deprived of their citizenship, and the racism was against uh, those who weren't blonde-haired, blue-eyed uh, Aryans, and now it's uh, the same thing is happening with the hate targeted towards Muslims and Latinos and people of color. And it's just, there are so many parallels in our government as well as uh, that kind of racism. Yeah, so, so the parallels um, yeah. between the rise of nationalism and the events in 1930s that led to the genocide. Absolutely, the absolutely, including including giving uh, Hitler... All, unrestrained powers and stripping the powers from Parliament, just like is happening in England, too, where Boris Johnson tried to uh, restrict the Parliament uh, and, you know, in Congress. The same thing has happened in the 1930s in Germany. Mm. Look where it led us. Yeah, and that's what's scary. Now, your family members were resilient, yet your story makes it very clear that they were really tormented by the pain of the loss and also those undercurrents of fear continued throughout their life. Can anybody truly recover, Judy, from the horror of the Holocaust? They put on a... They, they, it was always there, but they went on with their lives. And I think that that's uh, something that I wanted to stress in this book about resilience is, you know, Jews have traditionally been, been viewed as very passive victims who didn't fight back. And people blame them for that. I mean, first of all, there's nothing much that they, that they could do. But secondly, they did fight back. And, mm-hmm. and uh, they were not just victims. They were complex, rich, strong people uh, throughout their lives, both 
before the Holocaust and then after. I mean, look at, look at how they went on to create, to come to a new con- country uh, that did not welcome them, uh, to learn a lo- new language, come, come here penniless, and build up successful lives, careers, and families. So that's the epitome of, uh, of resilience. Uh, the other, the other thing I wanted to uh, that I've since learned about is uh, just the acts of kindness that people showed each other in the camps was a kind of resistance, and that's something that we should remember now. When when people say, "Well, what can I do about the migrants or the poor people or people I'm encountering now <clears throat> who are down on their luck?" One of the things is simply to show show kindness to them and recognize them as as people, and there are small things you can do to help. Yeah, uh, I do a lot of interviews on on kindness and on communications, and there's a gentleman who wrote a book all about that. That you know we need to be kinder to each other, and that it really does make a difference. So I think that's so so true. Um, shortly before your mother's death. She asked you to preserve and pass on your family's remarkable story of how they suffered and their story of survival. Why do you think she waited until she was in her 90s to ask you that? Well, she, she started somewhat before then, but that's when it became, uh, she became insistent about it. Uh, you know, I, I heard stories before that more from, actually more from my father's brother, uh, Alex, but you know, she wanted people to, people want to know that their lives mattered. And she and the other people in the family wanted to do their best to see that a Holocaust never happened again, not just against Jews, but against anyone. And so that's, they were all avid readers, uh, which was remarkable given that my mother's family grew up without, uh, without electricity and read by, by kerosene mm. lamp. Mm. Yet she was the best read best read woman I know and so uh, and an avid student of history so I think that's why why they stress that you know you have to learn from the past so that you don't repeat it and that was my next question anti-semitism and intolerance of all forms are on the rise in Europe and here in our country so the question is not only what can we do to stop this but is it harder to bring those lessons of the Holocaust now that so many victims have passed away and you know, is it more important than ever that stories like yours and books like yours be out there to be shared? Well, that's certainly part of why I stepped up. Uh, you know, my, my aunt, the baby sister in the family, she hid that she was Jewish from 1947 until 2008. And wow. then since that, yeah, because, because the American that she married when she came to this country said, you have to promise that you'll never tell anybody that you were Jewish or what happened to you mm-hmm. uh, living in Iowa. And uh, so she, she, she did that. But since 2008, uh, she began speaking openly about the Holocaust and doing Holocaust education, and she thrives on it now uh, and, and uh, stresses to the students she, she speaks with um, to that people, people are the same, you know, and to understand that we all have the same needs and wants and uh, as, as people, you know, no matter what color we are, and we should not bully other, other people. Mm, yeah, so important, the, uh, the education 
as you said, the education piece. And then she she hid that. Yeah, and then she hid that. And I'm sure that was hard for her to hide all those years. That probably wasn't easy. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, But, you know, to see her reinvent herself in her 80s and become a, a Holocaust educator is another remarkable sign of strength. Mm, that's resilience. That's resilience. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Fascinating. I'm talking to Dr. Judy Stone, who's a medical doctor, and her book is Resilience, One Family Story of Hope and Triumph Over Evil, and it chronicles her family who are Holocaust survivors, and we'll talk more about there were many survivors in her family in the Holocaust, and we'll talk about that in the interrelationships and you know, and how, what happened afterwards. So we're going to tell more about her family story right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Are you ready to buy or sell a business? Where do you, where do you, where do you begin? You want to make sure that both the buying and selling parties are mentally, physically, and financially ready to operate a small business, as well as have the expertise or management confidence in the type of business you're planning to buy. Listen to The Michael Saunders Show with Michael Saunders and Warren Whitus. We'll help you with questions about marketing, finance, hiring, and more. Listen Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. We are talking with Dr. Judy Stone, medical doctor, who is the daughter of Hungarian Holocaust survivors and has a long-standing interest in genealogy and family history. She is also an infectious diseases physician and the author of Conducting Clinical Research and a Forbes Pharma and Healthcare Contributor. 
So during World War II, hundreds and thousands of Hungarian Jews suffered prejudice and discrimination, oppressive segregation, and the wholesale murder of the hands of the Nazis. In Resilience, the new book that Dr. Judy Stone is the author of, she reveals how her her family survived these monstrous times, slowly rebuilt their lives, focusing on their inner strength and the good that they found. The new book is called Resilience, One Family Story of Hope and Triumph Over Evil. And her mother asked her on, in her 90s to tell the story, and she has done that. So welcome back, Judy. And start talking with us now more about the story. Your closest bond was with your Aunt Clary, uh, who owed her life to a Hungarian guard who hid her within his own family. Talk about that. Uh, that's one of the more painful episodes, actually, uh, because... I did not know any of the details about that, uh, really, until after after her death. Uh, she told me a little bit uh, shortly before, but she we thought that she was in uh, Auschwitz with the other sisters, and it was only shortly before she died that I learned that she had been in hiding. Um, and uh, she was taken on a death march and one of the guards on that death march offered to save her and one of the other women mm-hmm. and Claudia went, went with him, Clara went with him and uh, he took her home to his family and hid her there uh, but he also raped her mm-hmm. um, and she became pregnant and uh, mm-hmm. then after the war uh, she had an abortion, and uh, I learned later that, you know, this after she died, and it made me realize that our closeness was in part because I was the daughter that she never had. Mm-hmm. So she did she have children? She never had children after that? She, she had two sons, mm-hmm. but we had a special bond. That's, so, and, that's amazing. And she lived, you know, I mean, that's another way to look at it. She, she lived at a price, but she lived. And she had two, two wonderful children. Yeah. Right. What a- and, and my mother, too, lo- recognized that losing her first baby in the ghetto right before she was taken to Auschwitz saved her life. And it's because? remarkable. Why is that? Because, oh, because... because uh, had she been pregnant or gone to the camps with the newborn, she would have immediately been killed. Oh, I didn't know that. Because, oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, and because they didn't recognize initially that she was, she was still lactating, um, mm. they put her in the group to, of women, to, uh, young women, to, to work. Mm-hmm. And so that baby's death saved her life. Mm. Wow. And what about it's Katie? Remarkable. You're, you're, it's remarkable. Talk about Katie, your other aunt. Yeah, uh, she was 18 when she was taken to Auschwitz, and uh, she was the youngest in the family. And uh, she, uh, one, of the, one of the remarkable things is my mother had essentially raised her uh, because their mother died when Katie was, was seven. And um, she found that my mother was in Auschwitz and how, what terrible shape she was in mentally and physically from just having lost her baby. And she asked someone to change barracks so that she could be with my mother. And that woman did. And that also helped save my mother's life because Kitty was able to protect her and look out for her. 
Mm. And when Kitty went back to the other barrack, she found that a thousand Jewish girls had gone up in smoke overnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, heard these, you know, had, yeah. yeah, I've heard these stories where you, you know, you, the line was to the left and you got out of the line. And if you had stayed in the line, you would have been in Mengele's experiments. I mean, these just amazing stories of that split second choice that saved your life. Yeah, right. amazing. So let me ask you, is the Holocaust a central and identifying, defining event for younger generations of Jews? How do younger members of the family who are further removed from the direct victims relate to all of this? I, you know, it's a mixed bag. There, there are people who are very involved in Holocaust education uh, and trying to prevent bullying and prevent that this from happening again. Uh, there are second generation and grandchildren of Shoah uh, groups, but many other people just want to forget it and try to go on and live normal lives. And I can understand that too. You know, I, I, uh, I was never able to read or watch any movies about the Holocaust uh, and, or, or much imagery until until I uh, was writing this book, and I had to read a lot of history and immerse myself in it. It's simply too painful and too traumatic. Mm-hmm. So I can understand younger ones who, who want to hope it will go away. Talk about other family members. You had quite a few survivors in your family, correct? So talk about other family members. It was remarkable, and that's, again, part of what prompted the book is that uh, after my mother's death, I went for the first time to a Holocaust conference and learned that only about 10% of Jews from, from the villages in eastern Hungary survived. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the survivors from Hungary were, were in Budapest. So there were a variety of survivors in the family. Um, one in particular was uh, my, my uncle Alex. Uh, and he and my father were together in forced labor and then in the Dachau concentration camps. Uh, and after Alex was not allowed to become uh, to study mathematics before the war because of the quotas that uh, the Germans and, and Hungarians put on education, Jews were restricted from becoming professions uh, in a greater percentage than 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 in the population. So there was resentment that so many Jews were physicians and professors and mm-hmm. learned people. So they, he, he could not become a mathematician. After the war, he uh, became a, wa- a watchmaker for a while, and then an orthotist learning to make braces, uh, like my father did. And then in the 1950s, late 1950s, he went back to school and became a mathematician. And mm-hmm. then a senior computer scientist at the Jet Propulsion Lab, uh, mm-hmm. helping on the space program. And he retired and his- there... In, in his later years. years. Wow. Isn't right, that great? Right. I love, I love hearing about that because I do a lot of work with positive aging, and we need to change, change our paradigm about, you know, a lot of people think, well, you reach a certain age and you're, you're done, and you're talking about people in their 70s and 80s who are making a difference, and I think that's so right. important. Right, and, and who are reinventing themselves in a variety of ways and doing useful things for other people. So I, I tell Alex's story in particular to emphasize the value that immigrants bring to, to our country mm-hmm. uh, and why we should be welcoming them rather than, rather than banning them. 
And it's amazing that five of your mother's six siblings made it, made it out of Germany. Right, it's almost unheard of. I mean, three of them were in Auschwitz, and then my father and uh, his brother in Dachau. It's Mm -hmm. remarkable that they they, uh, did that and that they were then able to find each other after the war and rebuild their lives. So, Judy, what's your message? What what is it you want people to get from your book? Go ahead, continue what you were saying, but then I want to hear your message. Yeah, no, the, the, the message is to... Uh, as I said, that we all have the same wants and needs and we need to look at our common uh, common characteristics as people, the need for family, for food, for love, and our similarities and uh, try to help each other and stop the divisiveness and hate-mongering. And you were going to add something else, too. Is there something else you wanted to add? Another thought? Uh, We're talking about your family making it, you know, how so many people made it, and it was unheard of in those days. Right. Uh, you know, in, in, a, in a variety of, I've lost that particular thought, but in a variety of uh, uh, ways, and they all supported each other. You know, they, they worked hard. Oh, what I was going to say is they all scattered across the country, and uh, with Kitty, um, she only learned, I was shocked when my mother was dying, she and the brother came to visit, and uh, the brother, Miklos, said, uh, I want you to tape my story now, I'm ready for, you know, which he had not wanted before. And Kitty said, can I come too? I've never heard your story. Mm-hmm. And that's because he was in New York City as a cabbie, and she was on a farm in Iowa, mm-hmm. and they were too poor to see each other for more than 20 years. Wow. And I just, that, that makes me sad, too, that after all they had been through, there was this huge void again. Mm. But then things got better, and they were able to see each other. And just, you know, the courage and fortitude. Uh, and that's why I call the book Resilience. That's what it is. How can people find the book, Judy? Oh, well, Barnes & Noble is actually carrying it in their stores, in brick-and-mortar stores. Um, And it's also available online through through other independent bookstores, Amazon um, and BNN. And what is the website? The website is drjudystone.com, and you'll see pictures, and you can sign up for a blog that's called Legacies of the Holocaust, where I write about current events and parallels to things that happened. And um, there are pictures and maps, and I'm happy to engage with with people who want to learn. And they can contact you right on your site. Right. Thank you so much, Judy, for being on the program. It was very enlightening and inspiring, painful and hard, but, but also enlightening and inspiring, and truly a story of resilience. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for caring and for for wanting to educate about this important issue. But thank you. I thank appreciate you. that. All right, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this half hour. Uh, we're going to have another program for you coming up next, the second half hour of this show. So stay tuned for the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. 
Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.